From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. This episode of the Real Pink Podcast is brought to you by AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca is leading a revolution in oncology with the ambition to provide cures for cancer in every form, following the science to understand cancer and all its complexities to discover, develop, and deliver life-changing medicines to patients. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to the Komen Health Equity Revolution podcast series. Each month, we invite in patients, community organizations, healthcare partners, researchers, and policy advocates to discuss strategies and solutions that drive the health equity revolution forward for multiple populations experiencing breast health inequities. Sergio Andreas Mendoza lost the love of his life, Sarah Fernandez Mendoza, to metastatic breast cancer in 2017. Since then, he has worked tirelessly to honor Sarah's legacy while raising their two young children, giving back to Komen in multiple ways, and providing inspiration for other breast cancer caregivers who are going through what he experienced. Sergio is here today to talk about caregiver support and how he supports Komen's mission to end breast cancer. Sergio, welcome to the show. Hi, Adam. I'm so happy to be here and join you in the fight against breast cancer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you. And this is so important. I love talking with caregivers and getting your unique perspective. And so let's start uh, with kind of your story and Sarah's story. Tell us about Sarah and how she was diagnosed. So Sarah and I were a young couple and she actually found a lump when she was pregnant with our first child. She was 34 years old. She found a lump. She went to her primary physician. They said, it's no big deal. It's probably an inflamed milk duct. She didn't feel comfortable with it and actually went and sought out a mammogram, was able to do that, got a biopsy. It turned out that it was breast cancer. We had to wait uh, for the birth of our child to be able to have the surgery subsequently. And they did find uh, that there was um, some of the breast cancer in one of her sentinel nodes. So, but we went, she went on chemo soon after. And that was in 2012. So my son now, Sergio, is 11 years old. We were really lucky at that time, though. And I think there's probably similar programs today. But at that time, the Live Strong Foundation, which was associated with Lance Armstrong, was helping subsidize the fertilization and extraction of eggs for young women that were diagnosed with breast cancer. And it turned out to be great because... A few years later, when Sarah's disease progressed and we found it in her bone, you know, we were able to uh, have another child. And that was really, even though the doctors had said, go ahead, go get pregnant, have a second child. And that was a really big decision for us. But Sarah was a lawyer and Sarah just had this intuition. And it was a really incredible story because the day that we found out that the surrogate, you know, surrogacy's a process and you just have to believe and you just have to, you know, believe that the outcomes will be great. And it's, it's really challenging, but I'm so glad we went through with it. But the day that we found out that our surrogate was pregnant was the day that Sarah had a major surgery because her cancer had progressed and eaten more than one of her vertebra. And she was in surgery all day 
Mm -hmm. And when she came out of surgery, I was able to tell her, you know, this last fertilized egg, you know, the surrogate is pregnant. Um, and Anais was born, um, you know, 10 months later, nine months later. So, so that was, that was her story. She eventually, uh, died from metastatic disease in 2017. Mm. Well, that, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and so I, you know, walk through what, what that was like being a caregiver to your wife, but also taking care of your two young children. What helped you support her? What helped you stay strong through that period? Yeah. So the, the, the mantra for us was two parts. One is, was her belief. So she lived life as though she was not sick. And I was conspired to believe that too, and to live life that way. So Sarah, even before her diagnosis, lived life fully from waking up in the morning till going to sleep late at night and enjoying life as much as she possibly could. And, you know, we just kind of continued this. As a caregiver, I, my, one of my mantras was, you know, one day at a time. So it's very easy. And, you know, this is true. This was true for Sarah as well. And, and, and women that are diagnosed, it's very easy to extrapolate and think about the future and worry and be concerned. And it's an overwhelming burden to carry with you and to relive every day. So really the best advice that I had that was given to me was one day at a time. And when you're looking at things one day at a time, you focus on things like comfort. You know, is her pillow in the right place? You know, is the water in the glass that she likes? What can I do to, if she does have appetite, you know, to give her the food that, that, that she'll enjoy the most? So you, you focus on the present and the immediacy of comfort and, 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 and it's empowering to be able to focus on that day and to not carry the burden of the future with you and just, you know, live that with every day. So, you know, so I forget about the future and just focus on that one day. Hmm. That's really beautiful. I mean, I, I, I love that, that mentality. And I can imagine how it would really help give you a lot of strength during each of those days, you know, as you're, as you're going through it. And so uh, I understand that you started attending a support group with your son after Sarah passed away. How did attending the support group help you mourn her loss? So Sarah, you know, there's some deaths that are sudden and, and unexpected. You know, Sarah had a, had a decline. So as a parent, I was able to ask others for advice and, you know, even professional psychologists what I should do with my children. And one of the things that they recommended was a, a group probably located all over the nation and hopefully all over the world, but it was, it's peer-based grief. And it's, it's not counseling, it's not therapy, it's really peer-based. It's, it's an organization that I'm now a part of. It's called the Children's Bereavement Center, and it offers free weekly attendance online and nationwide. And the most amazing thing there about that particular group was that I went for my children and my children were put together in a group of other children 
their same age, and every single person there had lost their favorite person in the world. And one of the biggest challenges with being a uh, a parent or a child um, and having lost an adult, and we saw, you know, I can't imagine how many children are in the situation because of COVID, but they're different. Their life is different, and they're, you know, they're 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 looked at as other. And in this group, in this peer support group, the most important thing in their life they have in common with all the children that are in that group, and it really, you know, we went every single Monday. We attended every single Monday for years. And I actually lost my sister a year later to a different type of cancer, a rare cancer. Mm. And the only way that I could be prepared for the death of my only sister a year later was because I had learned to talk about death and I had learned how to live with that grief and that mourning and that loss. And I went for my children and this particular group, the Children's Bereavement Center, you you also go as a parent. So they put you together as with parents as peers. And you talk about how to parent this child that has lost their favorite person in the world. Mm. And there's people there that are at all stages of their journey. And they know exactly what you've been through. And the stories and that peer sharing really did a lot for me. So I went for my my son and daughter, and I ended up getting um, a huge amount of benefit from it as well. So I definitely recommend it. I think that people die every day, and most of us um, have, you know, we see loss, and there's many people that have loss, and to create the space and the opportunity to grieve is really important. And I feel like a lot of people would benefit from being able to um, have a healthy relationship with their loss as opposed mm. to hiding it or not thinking about it. Mm. No, that's, that's a great point. And I, I really appreciate you making that point. So, so obviously, you know, you've continued to be a caregiver to your children. You're, you're continuing now to, to care for them. How has that changed since Sarah passed away and, and how are, how's everyone doing? Uh, so it's really interesting, actually. So said he was five and Anais was two when Sarah died. He had been able to have a really amazing relationship with Sarah. Uh, Anais was, you know, very young and she was sick most of her life. But what's interesting and a real blessing with children is that um, they're like their parents. So I actually see Sarah in my children more and more every day and as they grow. and. You know, at this point, I've known my children longer than I knew my wife. And it's a really interesting, it's really interesting way to look at the world that, you know, I'm very lucky that I do have these children that are, uh, you know, embody her and her energy and her spirit. But it's just very clear to me that she's not gone. She's very much a part of our lives. You know, they are, thank God, a lot like her. And I chose her out of all of the people in the world. So it's really nice to to have her presence uh, with us every day. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, 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 and you're right. Our children are very much the embodiment uh, of us. And, and the other thing is, I have lots of help. I, you know, I'm so lucky in my parents 
really helped me. My in-laws are an active part of our life as well. It's hard to be a parent with two parents and lots of love and lots of time. And, you know, I'm one parent, but, you know, it's still hard. You know, every child needs love. You know, these kids are the same. You know, some people think they need more love. I think all these all these kids need love. But I've been really blessed to have a lot of help from from my family and my in-laws and my community. That's right. I mean, community is just so important. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about your your volunteer work. Uh, so you're the chair of the executive leadership committee for the 2023 Miami Fort Lauderdale uh, More Than Pink Walk. Why is it important to you to be involved in fundraising and raising awareness for your local community and particularly for the Hispanic Latino population? Yeah. So when Sarah got her first diagnosis, we were very private about it. But when the disease came back, she decided to share her story. And I was amazed at how many women she helped because there's so many women that are in the same situation and scared out of their minds. And to have someone that, you know, can just be a peer again and walk them through it. Um, she, she helped many women at, with their breast cancer diagnoses. When Sarah died, it would have been much easier for me to forget about breast cancer. And I had a friend who, after her death, said, hey, you know what? You should do something with breast cancer. And I'm glad she did because she gave me the confidence to continue the fight against breast cancer. So for me, you know, I lost my wife to metastatic disease, uh, but I don't want to lose anyone else. I don't want to lose my daughter, my friends, my mom. I don't want to lose anyone. And Susan G. Komen represents, I think, the biggest opportunity for saving more women's lives. And it goes into this health equity. So metastatic disease has, you know, the prognosis for metastatic disease has not changed in a while. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that bringing the current standard of care to a broader population, you know, including Hispanics, Latins, you know, in South Florida and Miami, we have a huge Latin population. I'm Latin, my wife is Latin, uh, my daughter's Latin, and just being able to, and bringing the current standard of care to more people is about normalizing a breast cancer diagnosis. It's about saying, hey, it's okay to take time out of your day to get a mammogram which, you know, an early diagnosis is your, your, your most likely, you have the highest likelihood of survival if you have an early diagnosis. So it's okay to get a mammogram. It's okay if you get a mammogram to have a, um, to find breast cancer. It is okay to fight that breast cancer. It's okay to support this woman who is in the fight. It's okay for her husband, her children, her parents, her, company, her workplace, the, her church, her community around her to support this woman in breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And for me, Komen does many amazing things. They're funding world-class research. They help women with access to, to a lot of these services. But the biggest thing that Komen does is that it makes a breast cancer, they're, 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 they're really trying to make a breast cancer diagnosis normal and something that a community can support. And we have a lot of, especially in the Latin community, you know, and especially because this disease affects mostly women, you know, they're, 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 it's hard to make a breast cancer a priority and the fight against 
a breast cancer diagnosis a priority. Mm-hmm. And I think that Komen is, is, is an incredible leader in the entire breast cancer world, but in this particular thing, they're doing exceptional work. The other thing that I think they're doing that's amazing is that they're pioneering uh, work on, on young cancer, young women, mm. cancer diagnoses for young women, you right. know, under 40s. And we've been so unsuccessful in changing prognosis for breast cancer without early diagnosis that this patient population, you know, I'm excited and I'm optimistic. And the same way that there are new um, discoveries and new treatments that are coming out every month, you know, the more, the longer you survive, the more opportunities there are for something to help your particular disease. But I'm also excited about this particular focus in research because maybe something will come out of it mm-hmm. that will, will change our knowledge of breast cancer. And, and Komen's leadership in, 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 the, in, in community building and making a breast cancer normal and, you know, target and, and now with this new movement for uh, breast cancer in young patients, I just think they're doing incredible work. And I'm proud to, um, to be a part of that uh, in, in our local community. Yeah, that's fantastic. And well, and speaking of, you know, being a part of, of more work, uh, so I understand you also founded the Pink Key Society to continue Sarah's legacy. Can you tell us more about the mission of the Pink Key Society and how you've been involved in, in using that to give back to Komen? Yeah, so uh, like many men, I don't pay attention to charity, didn't pay attention to charities or philanthropy. And my wife, Sarah, was not like that at all. She was a mercenary charity person. She was on the board of many charities. She helped anyone that asked for help. And, and it was really her, this approach that she had, you know, it's much easier to, to not pay attention and not care and not uh, try to make a change in the world. And that wasn't, that wasn't her approach at all. And I'm trying to mirror that. And, and, and it's been incredible because you know, you see the change. So Pinky Society is is also, it's focused on uh, change in breast cancer and in joining the fight against breast cancer. Its biggest uh, impact to this point has been with Komen. We've raised more than $100,000 in the last few years for Komen. And little by little, you know, we keep uh, making more of an impact. So, so that's the Pinky Society. Wow. I love that. Okay. And then, and so as if you weren't busy enough, I understand you also design cocktail rings in Sarah's memory with a portion of the proceeds being donated to Komen. Can you tell me more about what inspired you to start that? And, and like, tell me all about that actually. Yeah. So I, um, when, with Sarah's diagnosis and when we knew that my life was going to change with her loss, uh, I just, I needed to change my life and I needed to change my life in a way that allowed me to, uh, be there for my children. I have always been fascinated by jewelry. You know, my grandmothers, um, you know, really just helped me develop a love and a passion for jewelry. And what happened though, is that I thought that I was going into jewelry as a designer of pretty things. And what happened was that as I got into jewelry, I actually, I actually gifted rings to the the first thousand women that had my rings. And as I sat with these women and talked to them about my designs and my collection, I, I, I learned not just about how to design, about fingers, but I learned one of these things about women that 
is directly relevant to kind of our breast cancer problem, which is that um, women have a really hard time prioritizing themselves. So, you know, on a given day, a woman would prioritize her children, her partner, her parents, her friends over herself. And it's very difficult for them to make the time, for example, to say, well, instead of going to my child's sporting event, I'm going to get a mammogram and do something for myself. And, you know, for me, my my approach and my jewelry is really about trying to help support women see themselves the way that I see them. So the words that always come out is that these women, all women, are powerful, independent, and beautiful. And that's the way they are. And it's not, they don't need to be the CEO of something to do it. They don't need to do anything tomorrow. They've already done amazing things. You know, you wake up in the morning, you're a great parent. You go to work, you're an incredible um, executive. At night, you, you know, you're a partner for your, 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 your partner. And, you know, men don't do any of those things. And, uh, well, <laughs> or sometimes they don't do any of those well. And for me, that deserves to be honored already for the things that they've already done. So for me, um, my, my designs, I hope, remind a woman of the, her favorite version of herself. And I hope that she does that by honoring herself. And for me, a lot of my designs are being a reminder of a woman's power, their independence, and their beauty. Serge, I really appreciate, first of all, I appreciate all the work that you're doing. All of the things you're doing to improve the lives of people and families is so important, and it's, it's really inspiring. Um, I guess my final question to you is, do you have any advice for the other caregivers that are out there, whether they're giving care to children or to sick, uh, sick loved ones? Yeah, so um, my main advice is one day at a time. If you have children, if you're enough to have children, you know, they need love, focus on them and love them. The other thing that I think is a really big deal uh, with Komen as well is that it includes caregivers and it includes the people that support those that are fighting the battle. And, you know, one woman affects so many people and there's so many people a part of her life. And all of these people want to show her that they love her and support her and to be able to have not just a family, but also, you know, the people that work at the imaging centers, the people that do the chemo, the nurses, the ones that help with the hair and the wigs and these, these accessory services, you know, the physical therapists, these people are all a part of the breast cancer community and they are all there. And, you know, you're not alone. It's not just you. Um, you know, if you have someone that's going through the exact same thing, you know, find them, you know, if you're comfortable speaking with them about it, you know, uh, back to finding people that are in the same position as you that maybe you can decompress from. I had a family, um, you know, that were on an uncle to my children, Trolli and Rosanna. And I used to go to their house and just let them have my kids. And I just flop down on a sofa and you just, I needed to recharge and just, um, and, and have that strength. Um, but you know, that, that there, there are so many people when you, when you share and when you tell, ask for help, you know, people sometimes that don't even know you, um, are willing to help if you just ask. I mean, I'm always impressed and amazed with um with 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 people in general and how generous 
and loving and wonderful they are to us um, when we're going through this fight and, you know, in general as well. That's right. That's right. Well, that's, that's good. That's good advice. Well, Sergio, thank you so much again for what you're doing. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for sharing your story and just for all the wonderful things you're doing in the world. I'm so happy to have been here with you, Adam. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to be your friend. And thank you for joining another episode of the Coleman Health Equity Revolution podcast series. We will continue to galvanize the breast cancer community to support multiple populations experiencing breast health inequities to advance and achieve breast health equity for all. To learn more about health equity at Komen, please visit komen.org forward slash health equity. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.